0: common conception about church is, church just wants my money. They don't care about me. They don't care about what I'm really going through. They just want my money. And unfortunately, there's a lot of churches that have really made that a true statement. Um, Unfortunately, that's something that many times is our experience when we encounter church and church people They seem to really just care about our money and not care about us. Excuse me. And when we started this series on money, money matters, uh, I knew you, some of you were probably dreading this. You're at some point he's going to talk about giving to the church. I think we've talked about enough other subjects that you've realized there's a lot more that the Bible says about money besides just give to the church. But one thing it does say is it does talk about how we should use our resources to accomplish the mission of Jesus Christ in the world. And we do that through the church. And so we're not going to avoid the subject. We're going to talk about it today. Now, religion really has become big business. If you look at just the amount of things that have some Bible verse slapped onto it and the plaques that say, God bless this home, people make a lot of money off of religious doodads and books, and I go to uh, conferences and seminars that people are making money off of, and people are on speaking tours, and uh, there's a lot of money, uh, whether you look at the musical aspect where bands, Christian bands and artists play and sell their music, or whether you look at stores that are selling Christian books, or you're just looking at some of the huge buildings that churches build uh, there's no denying the fact that religion is big business. The danger is anytime we attach ourselves to something like money, pretty soon we can get corrupted and begin to do things for the wrong reasons. So money's necessary for the operation of the church, but at the same time, we need to recognize that it's a dangerous thing and that some people have misused it and will misuse it. Now, that doesn't mean that we just never give our money to a church anymore because people have misused it. Uh, Just like just because there have been doctors who have been sued for malpractice, we don't just stop going to doctors altogether, right? We need to be careful and make sure that we're using the resources here at Horizon correctly and responsibly and transparently. But at the same time, that doesn't mean we just never ever give ever again. And we've seen repeatedly where people try to use the church to accomplish their own selfish means. People try to use the church to get a platform for themselves and lift themselves up and to become a celebrity. Uh, in the in our history books, right, we can see where people used the church uh, where they wanted to conquer land in um, the Middle East, and so they they made it a holy crusade, right? And they told them they told the conquerors, "You're doing this for God," and it gave them this holy fervor to conquer more territory and land and so it was a selfish reason that where a religious aspect was attached to it to give them an emphasis to do it and we need to be careful that when we talk about giving to the church that we're not just um, attaching a religious benefit onto something um, where we want more money for the church to flourish or to pay salaries and i think sometimes that that's the emphasis or the area where people have issues with pastors standing up and essentially saying, give more to the church because the church pays my salary. And so we have to be cautious here. We have to look at what the scriptures actually say and what they don't say. And we're going to look here at this passage in John chapter two, where Jesus goes into the temple and he he just has this really dramatic expression of rage in the temple. So in John chapter two, starting verse 13, it says the Jewish Passover was near. And so Jesus went to Jerusalem and in the temple, he found people selling oxen, sheep, and doves. And he also found the money changers sitting there. And after making a whip out of cords, he drove everyone out of the temple with their sheep and with their oxen. And he poured out the money changers' coins and overturned the tables. And he told those who were selling doves, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace and his disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. And so Jesus here goes into the temple, which was uh, the place where the people of God were supposed to worship at the time. And he just goes crazy. Many times we think of Jesus as being loving and kind and soft-spoken and sweet, but he makes a whip here and starts whipping people and flipping tables. And uh, I mean, he's pretty much in fist fights with people as he's Releasing animals or running around and he's turning over tables and throwing money and whipping people. I mean, it's a pretty intense scene. And his disciples are like, we expect the Messiah will be zealous for what happens in his house. And when we worship and when we have a church, God's zealous. He's interested. He's passionate about what goes on and what doesn't go on in his house. And so is this saying here that Jesus wants... No money coming into his house at all? Is that what he's saying here in this temple aspect? No, we have to talk a little bit about what's going on here god always cares more about people than he does about money he's not interested in amassing all the riches of the world god doesn't need them he's interested in reaching people and ministering to people and healing people now sometimes as a church we forget that right sometimes as a church we're much more interested in what people can bring tangibly whether that's talents or money to the table rather than being interested in how can we heal and help people God never has his priorities backwards, and we need to be careful that we keep our priorities straight. People are more important than budgets. People are more important than programs. People are the most important aspect of the church. And in the historical context here, just so you understand what's going on, Jesus is not against the temple collecting tithes and offerings. There was a place in the temple where you could go and give to the poor. There was a place where you could go and give to pay the salaries of the Levites who served as priests and carried on the functions of the temple. And so Jesus is not driving those people out here. What he's driving out is the people who'd set up and essentially made religion into big business. So most scholars agree that this took place in what was known as the Gentile court so uh first century israel uh, jesus hasn't died yet he hasn't rose from the dead he hasn't started the church and so we're still operating under the old covenant the old promise the old testament and so jewish people come in and they worship at the temple they bring a sacrifice once a year they kill the animal let the blood run over their hands as a picture of the ultimate sacrifice that jesus will be in the future and so each year they come with a lamb sacrifice it. They pay their tithe uh, a percentage of what they've made for the year to the temple to continue on the duties and the services of the temple. What they've discovered, though, was at this time where people didn't want to travel a long way with an animal, or it was inconvenient or difficult, and so they started offering animals for sacrifice there at the temple. They essentially set up a temple gift shop there at the temple, and they said, where are we going to put it? Um, Because When God gave the outline or the layout for the temple, he didn't leave any space for them to sell animals there. People were supposed to bring their own animal. And so they said, where are we going to put it? I know, we'll put it in the court of the Gentiles. Now, what's the court of the Gentiles? God's plan has always been to reach all people with the good news that he's the one true God and that he loves him even in the old testament he always made provision for people outside of the jewish nation to know him and come and serve and worship him and so in the temple he established a place where he says okay jewish people can go beyond this point and worship on this closer level because they have this more intimate history and knowledge with me but he says there's always going to be a place set aside for the gentiles for non-jewish people to come in and be proselytes and worship and celebrate the one true god The Jewish religious leaders at this time, they had um, taken such a hard stance against Gentiles, calling them dogs and worthless, and um, really building up the fact that they were God's chosen people, that they said, we don't need that court for the Gentiles because we don't want to reach Gentiles. We don't want Gentiles to know the one true God. And so you know what? Why don't we put the marketplace where we're going to jack up the prices for Um, these offerings that people have to have and make a lot of money off of it, we'll put it in the court of the Gentiles and kill two birds with one stone. One, we'll make more money. And two, we'll keep Gentiles from having a place to worship our God. We'll keep that riffraff, those those undesirable non-Jews out of our temple. And so Jesus here is really criticizing two things when he comes in and he turns over tables and he drives people out. First of all, he's saying there's always space in the worship of God for people far away from God. He's like, this isn't just for a certain people or a certain type of people. He says, loving and knowing God is open to everybody. And he's going to clear out space to make sure that everybody has an opportunity to know him. The other thing is that scholars tell us that during this time, uh, what was happening is if you brought your own lamb in... ...and went to sacrifice it, they would check and say, oh, this isn't a temple-bought lamb. And the priest would say, this lamb has a blemish and so can't be offered to the one true God. Go buy one from our temple store and it'll be at a higher price and we'll make a bigger profit. And that way, then your sins can be atoned for or covered for another year. And so they were essentially taking the commands of God... And they were using them as an opportunity to get rich as temple staff and temple rulers. So that's what Jesus is fighting against here. And that's what we want to avoid as a church. We never want to be in a position where we are taking advantage of God's word to personally benefit ourselves, to make ourselves rich, to take advantage of people's spiritual interests to try to advance our So so that's the historical context. And you say, okay, Alex, so should we even give to the church? Those Old Testament times, you know, um, with the temple, and then Jesus comes, he institutes this new thing called the church, this family of both Jews and Gentiles who come together, worship on the first day of the week, because that's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And they start worshiping together in homes and in different meeting places. Um, Did they take up... An offering did they collect money very clearly in the New Testament we can see that they did in first Corinthians 16 verses 1 through 2 Paul outlines to the Corinthian church he says I want you to take up a collection on the first day of every week when you meet because he says you guys have been really the whole book of Corinthians is Paul saying your church is a mess Corinth and let's make things more orderly and more simple Collect the money once a week on the first day of the week when you meet. It's simpler. It's easier. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6-7, um, Paul again writes to the Corinthian church, and he tells them, you shouldn't be giving because you're forced to or because somebody's told you you have to give a certain amount. He says, it should be something you cheerfully give to, where you support both my work as a missionary and the work of the church as they minister to the poor and in the community. Um, In Philippians 4, 15 through 17, Paul says, you're one of the only churches, uh, he says to the church at Philippi, he says, you're one of the only churches who have supported my missionary journey and helped pay my salary and my travel expenses and taken care of me. And so we clearly have New Testament examples of giving to the church. And really, we have this distinction um, between the priest in the Old Testament and the pastor in the New Testament. And there seems to be good evidence that God expected and intended for them both to be provided out of the salary or out of the uh, the money of the church or of the temple. For instance, in the Old Testament, we have very clear descriptions of um, priests came out of the tribe of Levi and they were to serve in the temple and they were to be paid for that time because they couldn't work another job while they were working in the temple, and so they were to be paid for that time. Their needs were to be provided for and met. And we see the same thing in the New Testament, where uh, Paul talks about in First Timothy five seventeen through eighteen. He says pastors and teachers are worthy of their wages. He says they should get honor and be provided for. And so he gives this example. Uh, That both in the New Testament and in the Old Testament, the spiritual leaders, the spiritual teachers, the spiritual guides um, are provided for out of some of those funds that the church takes in. And so the next question then is, how much should we give? And this is where you begin to see people have some differing opinions, right? You'll see some people will go back to the Old Testament and they'll reference the tithe. And uh, Abraham gave a tenth percent of all that he had. Uh, to this spiritual leader named Melchizedek and then you see when Moses establishes the law with God for the Israelite people he establishes that people should give a tenth of everything they receive out of their first fruits not waiting till the end but a 10 percent uh, of everything that they receive of their harvest or of a sale should go to the temple And then you see where the Old Testament also talks about offerings, where after you've given your 10%, uh, 10%, you also sometimes give above and beyond that. And you give these special offerings as a way of saying thank you to God and for continuing the work of the temple and the ministry. And so you'll see some people who say in the New Testament, we should continue to model what the Old Testament did. However, we don't see anywhere in the New Testament where it says you should give 10% of anything. Um, I think it's a nice, safe place to start, but there's no New Testament command that says you need to give a 10% of your salary, you need to give 10% of your budget uh, to the church. Now, I've heard some pastors say that, uh, but they really don't have scriptural grounds for that. Instead, what Paul seems to argue for and suggest in the New Testament and many of the letters he writes to churches is everything you have belongs to God. So take what you have to to meet your needs because he's given you uh, money to do that. And anything extra, you should give to the church. Anything beyond that, you should give. And so what really Paul is saying is live on as little as you can and use as much as you can for the mission of the church and so god gave us all this mission when jesus ascended up to heaven he said go everywhere and preach the gospel to all people making them my disciples teaching them to obey everything i have commanded you the reality is that all of us can't go everywhere right and so some of our money goes to support missionaries people who go to different places that we're never going to go to or might not ever have the opportunity to go and share god's word and then part of our money goes to the local church so that together as a community we can accomplish the mission god gave us to share the good news the message of jesus christ with the world that's why we pull our resources to accomplish the mission of jesus and so you say alex that doesn't answer me how much should i give i think 10 percent is a safe place to start Um, But in the Old Testament, they became so obsessed with the 10% that Jesus talks to the Pharisees and he says, you even give a 10% of the salt you use on your food. And so they would uh, put some salt in their food and they'd take a 10% of it and set it aside to take to the temple. You know, they were so obsessed with that 10% number. And Jesus was saying, it's not about the 10% number. It's about your heart and a heart of giving and being generous. So I try to give 10% of my income to Horizon because I think that's a good place to start. Uh, But I also give more than that away to some mission organizations. I support some missionaries that I know serving in Thailand and in Ireland and uh, I give additional money away that way and I also give special gifts sometimes away when I see somebody in need or I see uh, opportunities where there's hurricane relief or you know we have uh, a devastating earthquake or fires I try to have some extra money set aside so that I can help in those things as well. So really the question should not be how much do I have to give away. But really how little can i live on so that i can maximize the money that i have because it's really god's money to accomplish the mission of jesus christ now for some of you you're going to feel like okay i give 10 percent and i'm done god always wants to get into our heart that the money that he has given us is already his and has been loaned to us so that we can learn to use it responsibly I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I'd sit in the pew and the offering plate would come by and my mom would give me 25 cents. Now, I could have pocketed that 25 cents, but she would have probably uh, spanked me or I would have got into trouble. She would have taken that money back from me. She gave it to me with the intention that I put it in the offering plate. God gives you and I money, yes, to meet our needs, but he also gives it to us with the intention of training us to use our money for gospel, for kingdom purposes. And so as a church, we believe in this. We believe that the church should be giving a percentage of their income. And so right now, Horizon gives 10% of everything that comes in away we give six percent to international missions and other church planting organizations that are starting new churches in north america and then we give four percent to watershed remember when our friends watershed church came over and uh, had a sunday service with us a few weeks ago we give four percent of everything that we bring in Over to them because we believe that other churches matter. That we're not the only church that's reaching people and accomplishing accomplishing the mission of Jesus, and we need other churches because different churches reach different people. And so we give four percent of everything we get over to them, and it's a way as a church to practice living. That everything that we have belongs actually to God and to Jesus. And so we give our money away so that it's not just used for us as a church, but we give it away so that it's used in other areas. Uh, The organization that we give um, money for internationally has thousands, tens of thousands of missionaries all over the world. And then the organization that we give money to who start new churches, they start thousands of new churches in North America and Canada each year. And so we try to reflect this. Uh, Darby and I try to reflect this personally in our lives as we give to the church. And then we try to reflect this as a church as we give money to other organizations that we believe are accomplishing the mission of Jesus. And so, really, as we come to the end here, Jesus is asking us to show our gratitude and to buy into his mission by putting our money where our mouth is. There's a lot of people who say, Yes, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus. Uh, But until you put some money behind it, before you put some time behind it, it really doesn't become a real thing. Jesus is saying, I gave up everything for you, and now I'm inviting you to be about my work. And one way that we're about his work is by joining in his mission, by giving the money that we have to support the work that he's given us to do. Because we recognize we can't do it all on our own. We can't reach everyone and go everywhere. But we can financially invest in those things and those people that are. So as we come to the close, I think it's a very simply ap- simple application today. Are you giving to the work and the mission of Jesus Christ? If you say, hey, Alex, I want to give, but I don't want to give to Horizon, I'd much rather you give somewhere than give nowhere. And so I can tell you some great Christian organizations or even some other churches that I know that are doing great work, and I'd love for you to give to them. If you're not giving anywhere, I I want you to ask, like, are we really grateful for what God has given to us if we're not willing to trust him with what he's given to us to be about his mission? I believe that God can do more with 90% than I can do with 100%. And it's a step of faith when I say, I'm going to take 10% out of my salary first thing before I pay bills and say, this is God's. It belongs to him. And um, you know what? I'm going to trust that He's going to take care of these other things when I put His kingdom and His purposes and His passions first. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for being a generous God who meets our needs, who takes care of us, who provides us what we need to live and love and thrive in this world. Lord, thank you for giving us the great privilege and responsibility to join you in your mission of sharing the gospel, the good news that you love all people and want everyone to know you you love them so much that you came into this world and died for them. Lord, thank you for making us a part of that mission. And one way that we join in that mission is by putting our money where our mouth is, And Lord, I pray that you will continue to give us more opportunities to give more to you and your kingdom. And Lord, we ask that you don't bless us so that we can increase our lifestyles and the the pleasurable and enjoyable entertainment in our lives. But Lord, I pray that you will provide us with more so that we can serve more, we can give more, we can impact more people for the gospel and the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And I pray all these things like I believe Jesus would. Amen.